the fall. Welcome to a world of mysteries, of conspiracies, of hidden and forgotten knowledge. There's a world more strange, more frightening, and more fascinating than most people ever imagined or dared to contemplate. Your parents, your teachers, never told you the whole story, either out of ignorance or fear. Your politicians may know, but they keep their mouths shut. The door is opening. Throw off your chains and blinders, arm yourselves with the truth, and take a walk along the razor-sharp precipice of the Outer Edge. The Outer Edge, you're with us once again. It's Sunday nights here on the PSN Radio Network. I'm Tim Swartz with Mike Mott. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Doing fine, man. Doing fine. Got a little bit of a cold or something going on, but other than that, I'm good to go. Oh, it's probably allergies this time of year. The... You know, I mean, you, you, well, you, you know, like around here in southern Indiana, you should see, you know, like all like the ragweed and, and these other giant uh, uh, weeds that are growing and just, uh, I mean, you could just almost see the pollen coming off of them. And I mean, it makes my daughter crazy. She's nine years old and she gets up in the morning and I mean, she's just, her eyes are all, you know, like red and she's all yeah. snotty and stuff, poor thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it could be because we had like a, a several days of much cooler weather. So mm-hmm. I would open my windows during the day and, to, and well into the evening and, uh, you know, let some fresh air blow through. So that could be what it is. Yeah, yeah. See, I can't, we can't do that here because that, uh, uh, that makes my wife uh, crazy. She's not really, al- not real allergic, but she is enough that if you start doing that this time of year, it yeah. uh, it'll it'll set her off. You know, me on the other hand, I mean, I I don't seem to have any problems with stuff like Dude, that. Dude, I, I love the fresh, I love the fresh air. I do too. I do too, especially this yeah. time of year when it's, if it's cooler. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, you know, the, all the windows in the house can be open, you know, this time of year, and let the, you know, let the breeze flow through. The only thing is, is that at night when I'm trying to sleep, it has to be cool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm I'm miserable trying to sleep in, you know, like the the, the heat and the humidity and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> definitely a child of air conditioning. Well, even in even in the winter time, you know, I like to keep it a little cool when I get ready to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. even, even if my feet are warm, you know, I need to, my, my my head and shoulders and stuff need to be cool, or else I can't <laughs> sleep. <laughs> so anyway, that's a weird conversation. That's a weird way to start the show. Um, yeah, hey, nobody nobody yeah. said that uh, that we were anything but weird. That's true. We can talk about that's whatever right. the hell we want. That's right. It's our show. That's right. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, you know, but before the show started, I mean, we were talking a little bit about um, uh, you had uh, you had posted something about a uh, interesting video uh, yeah. showing uh, something coming up to a window at night and and, and peering in. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what amazes me about this. I mean, it's a video of an alleged Bigfoot. Um, coming up and looking in the window, it looks like a night vision camera has been set up to watch the window because there are allegedly fruit trees and bird feeders outside. And something's been taking the, the fruit and the, the bird seed and stuff. And so somebody set this video up, this camera up, and there's this, this big, hairy, very tall, uh, humanoid looking thing that comes up and, 
and it's mostly in shadow, but you can see the eye shine. And when mm-hmm. it bends over to look in the mirror, it's, it's acting very suspiciously, like an animal or even like a person would act if they wanted to see if somebody was inside. And it's bending down, looking through the, through the screen, you know, and all this sort of thing, and turning its head. And you can see the eyes squinting. It doesn't blink, but you can see them squinting. You can see the eyes roll. You can see what's obviously very real eye shine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, does that mean that's a human in a costume? It could be a human in a costume because humans have eye shine under those types of camera conditions. Right. Uh, but it could also be something else because the physiology matches all the descriptions of a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot type creature. And, you know, I posted this on the video because my only comment was watch the eyes. Look at the eyes. Because it's obviously in a, a living thing, even if it's a person in a costume. And, I mean, no sooner do I post it than you get these comments like, Obviously CGI. <laughs> think, think, think. You know, it's like, nah, it didn't look uh, like CGI to me. No, it's not CGI. And the eyes, the eyes are, are real living eyes. I mean, I know enough about that type of stuff to know. And And the only question is, is it a Bigfoot or is it a person in a costume? Either way, the eyes would show like that. Well, you know, if it's a person in a costume, it's an awful big person because the eyes are pretty far apart, a lot farther apart than with most people. Even then, the head is huge. Mm -hmm. The head around the eyes, and there's no neck. And the interesting thing I found about it was, you know, you hear about how Bigfoot, how how these Sasquatch creatures, basically, I guess they're they're, uh, uh, their trapezius muscles are so big that the neck is pretty much non-existent in terms of being able to see it. It just the head just kind of looks like it sits on the shoulders. Right. And so, as this thing comes up to the window and it wants to look in the window, it does this weird forward bend mm-hmm. to look. It's not like it tilts its head or you know bends its neck down to look like a human would do. This looks like the whole upper torso sort of leans forward so it can peer into the house and, and, and the eyes kind of dart around looking. And to me, that fits the physiology of one of these things that, as described by hundreds of witnesses now, you know, that it doesn't have the same head, neck, torso configuration that a human being has. It's built differently. It's kind of like the thing that a gorilla has. It's the same sort of a, a structure. You know, a gorilla can't doesn't have the, the the ability to manipulate a neck and head in the way a human being does. No. And it's the same it's the same sort of thing. And so, you know, people just instantly look and say, CGI, that's so obviously fake. When they say that, they just prove they don't know anything about uh, um, physiology, uh, the animal kingdom, <laughs> you know, any number of things, uh, uh, photography, um, you know, all these types of elements that are in play here. So it's a very interesting video for sure, and um, I don't know if it's a Bigfoot. I don't know if it's a, a seven or eight foot tall human being because whoever <laughs> this is damn big. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it, it, I mean, it, sure, it could, it could be hoaxed. I mean, it's very easy to hoax a video like that. It's, I don't think it's CGI though. I mean, no, it's not. I, CGI. I, I, did. Uh, I, I. I'm very familiar with how CGI is put together and yeah. uh, and its and yeah. its overall look. Yeah. So if exactly. it's a hoax, it's you know it's a live on tape hoax. Yeah. It's it's exactly and right. You know it, it's just that people, you know, 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. When it comes to the Internet, the wonderful world of the interwebs, <laughs> everyone is an expert on everything. Sure. You know, what gets me is I'll be t- having a discussion with people about any given topic. And it's, they'll take a pause for like, you know, four minutes. And then they come back and start posting links. You know, some out there bullshit they post. Excuse my French. And it's because <laughs> they have Google. Yep. Look, I have Google. I will prove you wrong. That's right. But anything, all you're proving is that you know how to use Google. <laughs> you know, where, where's your personal knowledge and where, what research have you done? You know? so, that's right. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, I've got, uh, I've got, a huge, huge library in my house yeah, of books, periodicals, papers, things like that that, oh, that yeah. I rely on that a lot of the material you cannot find on Google. Oh, you yeah. Know. yeah. And, well, you know, I've uh, really got thousands of books. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, same way with me. So I mean, yeah, it's very it's very easy to get onto Google to to try to uh, you know prove your point or to find something like that. But not everything is on the internet. I mean, and maybe it, it will maybe it will be someday, but not yet. Yeah, and if it is, that doesn't mean it's true. True. Oh yeah. Well, it's the same way with the you know with with books and other yeah. you know and, and other forms of, of information. Uh, you know, the thing but about you, it you is have to know you have to be able to check your sources. Right. Yeah. You know. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Now that's why you know if uh, if I find information about say like a certain event, you know, uh, uh, using a search engine, I it, you know my own personal requirement, ha- I have to go and then track down the original source of this information. If it came from like a newspaper report, you know, another book, what have you. Of course, if it comes from another book, then you have to go and try to track uh, that source as well. And a lot of this information that uh, that circulates on the internet, you'll find that it's it's circular in nature that uh it that the sources don't lead anywhere right. <laughs> you know it just it just all comes back onto itself it's like a mobius strip almost uh, and uh, so i mean the you know that that information then is pretty dubious as far as i'm concerned and and you can tell as well when all of these sources have the exact same wording Right, exactly, yeah. and, and and you know, I mean, we talked about this before. You know, <laughs> I early on when I was doing the nonfiction writing, I allowed some of my work to appear in different web magazines in, in excerpt form, and some of that same work later was in caverns, cultures, and concealed creatures. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm still seeing where people have plagiarized it to this day. I'll find it where somebody's taken a whole paragraph and just, you know, they put it in something that they wrote. You know, and it's one of those things that makes me glad that I copyrighted it when I wrote it. Mm, because, oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, they do it. If you put it on the Internet, somebody's going to plagiarize it at some point. There's no way to, no way to stop it. That's just the way it is because the Internet, while it's great and wonderful and everything, it's also the perfect playground for the, for all the, the fall intellectuals. <laughs> and there are a lot of them. <laughs> so you know that, that's they, a good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I did want to talk about something else that I that I was looking at this week that I, somebody brought to my attention. All right, there's a there's a disorder that's now becoming more and more known. Uh, one in fifty people 
will suffer it or may have it from birth. It's called aphantasia. Have you heard about this? Mm, no. Okay, tell me about it. Aphantasia is this disorder. They discovered it because there was a guy in 2010 who went by the initials of MX. He was a 65-year-old man. He had a, a coronary angioplasty. And after he had the surgery, he noticed that he had lost the ability to form images in his mind. In other words, he could not imagine or picture anything in his mind's eye. Hmm. Um, some kind of a side effect, something to do with his brain and and the surgery. Well, the article about this guy was published, and when it did, 21 people started co- contacting the, the uh, researchers, and turned out they had had the same problem since birth. They have no internal mind's eye at all. Okay, now here here's well, how, how would they how would they know? Yeah, well, now how would they know they have? Yeah. <laughs> But they did, a, they did a control group, and they mm-hmm. found out that 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 one out of fifty people from birth have this problem, and they don't know how long it's been around, where it came from, what's really causing it. Um, but think about this: if you don't have an internal mind's eye, mm-hmm. you can't have an idea. Not really. You can't invent anything. Mm-hmm. You can't imagine what's going to happen tomorrow or picture it. So where well, there goes your idea of the, what the future holds. I mean, it just goes on and on. What got me to thinking about the, how strange this actually is, you know, whether this is a result of chemicals and, and environmental conditions that, in our modern world, or is it something that we've always had in, in the human species, which I doubt if it's mm-hmm. always been that high of a percentage, 1 in 50. That's but, pretty high. That's pretty high. But think about, about first of all, guys like uh, Daryl Sims says about so-called aliens, mm-hmm. um, their, their hive consciousness. You know, he says, and other people have said, that when they're not connected to the hive consciousness, they just stand there. They don't do anything. Right. Like like robot awaiting instructions. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have the ability to formulate a plan and act on it on their own. And it, it makes me wonder... If this isn't something similar, hmm. And by that, I'm you know you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. If something has been going on for a long time, like so many researchers say, and the human population is being subtly changed, could there be people who don't even? You know, it's not their fault. And but but they have been changes have been made in their neural network or their 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 physiology, so that they are now. Uh, Hive mind compliant. Hmm. Waiting to be switched on. Yeah, waiting to be switched on. Exactly. Very disturbing to think about. That is. Yeah. Well, and that uh, um, that that goes really along the lines of uh, you know David Jacobs and his uh, his whole thesis that you know the the. Uh, the the extraterrestrials have introduced hybridized humans into the population over you know I don't know you know a hundred years maybe more or something like that right S- slowly to the point where um, again kind of a similar situation where they will be switched on or you know are just just ready to go at 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 whatever notice. And then you know the the take the takeover will begin if it hasn't already. 
and uh, unbeknownst to themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they, they may go their whole lives to see creative people creating things, comic books, movies, novels, you know, or, or, or inventions or whatever, and they sit there and they think, why does something like this never occur to me? How come I can't mm-hmm, do that? Mm-hmm, I've yeah. got a disorder. You know, and they see this story and say, oh, that sounds like me. But what's really going on here? What's the basis for this? It's, it's, it's a disturbing, uh, disturbing thing to think about. It really is. I mean, uh, and, uh, how, now how do how do you spell that condition? Um, Fantasia <laughs> with, an, with an A on the front. Aphantasia. Oh, okay. Aphantasia. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to have to do some more research into that. I, I I had not run across this before, so I want to I want to read more about this. That's that's uh, that's a fascinating concept and and a disturbing one at that. It is disturbing because if you cannot create anything in your internal mind's eye are you really human mm-hmm yeah <laughs> I wonder yeah because that's one of the things that makes us human it's a fundamental part of being human mm-hmm hmm very, very strange inter- stuff yeah it, 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 it really is um well, with uh, <laughs> with that thought, I think that uh, we should probably uh, uh, discuss our, uh, who our guest is um, tonight. For uh, um, for those of us who who are thinking for themselves, <laughs> exactly, uh, and 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 for uh, some of these others uh, uh, who are doing the same, um, we're going to be talking tonight about um, the JFK assassination. And um, whether or not there there was chicanery involved, not only with the actual assassination itself, but the after effects. And our guest tonight is Dr. David uh, Mantic, um, who is a um, he specializes in uh, radiation oncology in uh, uh, in California, right? But as well. Um, he has carried out extensive research into the assassination of Kennedy, um, uh, which includes a study of uh, Kennedy's autopsy X-rays. Which uh, obviously, I mean, he's he, he's an expert at that. So, I mean, this is this is the guy who would know, and and as well the Zabruder film. Uh, now, in 1993, Mantic disclosed that after examining the autopsy x-rays at the National Archives, um, he came to the conclusion that these x-rays had been altered and that uh, that, that there were two shots which uh, struck Kennedy's head and that uh, the so-called magic bullet uh, is right. a you know it's you know it's 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 impossible to have happened and i mean we've had we've had guests on before you know who who have discussed this uh, robert morningstar uh, right. is, is someone who you know um I think of right away, and so now we're going to have somebody who is an expert, you know, in this field, and I think should give us some some really fascinating conclusions um, about the Kennedy assassination and what kind of things may have been done after the fact to to hide the fact uh, that. Kennedy was assassinated through a conspiracy, and it wasn't just a lone gunman. Right. So, um, yeah, this, this will be uh, right up our alley. 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and take our uh, our first break here, and uh, when we come back. We will have our guest, uh, uh, David Mantick, to talk a little bit about the Kennedy assassination. So I'm Tim Swartz with Mike Mott. You are listening to the PSN Radio Network. Stay tuned. We will be right back. team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology preventative maintenance and networking support hardware and custom built computers let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget call key information solutions now 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. We're rewarding you for something you already do. Listening to us. It's Radio Loyalty, and it's an easy way for you to get free stuff. All you do is sign up. Go ahead and click the banner now. You'll earn points as you listen. Points you can trade in for great products and services in the Radio Loyalty store. You can earn even more points when you share your favorite station with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Radio Loyalty. It's free to sign up, so click the banner to join now. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. 
Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. You can also receive our free print catalog. Just send your name and mailing address to mrufo8 at hotmail.com. I'll spell that out for you. M-R-U-F-O, the number 8, at hotmail.com. mrufo8 at hotmail.com. Find out what they don't want you to know. You're listening to The Outer Edge Radio with William Michael Mott and Tim Schwartz, only on PSN Radio. And welcome back to The Outer Edge. I'm William Michael Mott, Mike to my friends, uh, less pleasant expletives to my enemies. Here with Tim Schwartz, as usual. Um, it is August 30th where I am, 31st where Tim is, but I am catching up to him quickly. And we are pleased <laughs> to uh, welcome Dr. David Mantic to the show. Hey, Dr. David Mantic, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Greetings from Palm Springs. Awesome. Palm Springs. Brr. <laughs> you don't want to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Now, uh, since since you're in the desert of Palm Springs, now it uh, it's now of course now for me here in Southern Indiana, it's just you know it's it's, it's after midnight and it's just what it's like after nine o'clock there. So uh, is it uh, does it get pretty uh, pretty chilly out there in the desert uh, when once the sun goes down? Oh, not until January. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I was always under the impression that, you know, I mean, even in the summertime, you know, in the desert, once the sun goes down, it gets pretty, it, it can get chilly. Well, we're happy if it goes below 90 here this time of year. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I, I, I saw something uh, this past week, um, a, a couple different news stories, uh, sort of science science news, I guess you could call it, even though they were kind of layman written, but basically saying that... Uh, North America and the Americas in general go through a severe drought that can last up to a century, uh, but it happens once every thousand years, and that we we are on schedule for entering that period, and it usually strongly affects uh, the areas west of the Mississippi, and uh, in the you know in, in the Southwest and, and so forth. And I have to wonder if that's not what what's going on with some of the severe dry conditions that have been building up out there. I mean, and it's already it's already always dry anyway, um, but uh, it just seems like it's unusually hot and dry. No comment. <laughs> well, I, I was going to mention a wonderful book actually. It's called Past and Future History, a Planner's Guide. 
by Ivan Browning. This is a wonderful, wonderful survey of the weather over the centuries. Right. Browning. Ivan Browning. Oh, that sounds that sounds interesting. I'll have to look yeah. at that. Yeah, we, we, we're we're kind of. Uh, on this show, I guess I could say this for Tim too. We're, we're, we're a little skeptical of, of human created climate change because, you know, we're just humans. Uh, we, we look at the bigger cycles, like in the, with the sun, the solar cycles and, and solar weather affecting earth, earthly weather and things like that. And if you go back and look, of course, in ice cores and all that, you'll see that it's all, that, that everything just seems to be cyclical and, and we're just in a regular cycle right now of, uh, of what everything is going on. Um, but, uh, well, this should be does a wonderful job of examining the cycles of, the, of climate, actually, rather than weather. That's the long-term view. Right. It's going way back before 1000 AD. Even. So if your readers are interested in that, Ivan Browning, Past okay. and Future uh, History. Yeah, I, I may look that up myself, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I love stuff like that. <laughs> Well, uh, 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 Dr. Mantic, um, we have been fascinated by the the whole JFK assassination here on uh, the Outer Edge for a while. I mean, we've had some some really interesting guests, uh, Robert Morningstar, uh, uh, Adam Go Rightly too. Adam Go Rightly, right, right. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it's uh, we're we're just so happy that uh, that you could come on and uh, um, and and talk talk to us about this. Um, you know, uh, gosh, I was I was just a, a very small child when uh, uh, the uh, when Kennedy was assassinated, and so I mean my my memories of it are are, are somewhat vague. But I mean what. Uh, what got you interested in the uh, the whole uh, 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 concept that the assassination wasn't just the result of a uh, a lone gunman, and that there was more going on behind the scenes than uh, you know we've been led on to believe? I had a mild interest in this case, but then the movie JFK pushed me over the edge. And, of course, that was quickly followed by the Journal of the American Medical Association, who jumped in with both feet with their interviews of the pathologists. I thought that was one of the worst bit of journalism I'd have ever seen in my medical journal. As a result, I resigned from the American Medical Association in protest over such abysmal and shameful reporting. At first, I wasn't quite sure what the real story was, Actually, I was a little angry that the historians hadn't sorted this out. And then I realized that with my background, perhaps I could actually uncover some new information, which is how it turned out. My first question was really very simple. I wanted to know whether my government was involved in the cover-up that went on afterwards. And so that's why the x-rays were really central to my research. So I've been to the archives. Uh, nine different occasions to look at the x-rays, uh, the autopsy photographs, JFK's clothing, bullets, etc. And the most important result is that the uh, skull x-rays have been altered from the originals. Hmm. In particular, if you look at the x-ray taken from the front, there appears to be a bullet or a bullet fragment near the middle of JFK's right eye. Now the curious thing is nobody saw this at the autopsy. 
There were dozens of people there. Nobody discussed it. It's not in the autopsy report. It only shows up about five years later in the Clark panel report. Just a bolt from the blue. All of a sudden, this thing is there, and it wasn't there before. Hmm. How, does, how does something like that suddenly appear after five years? So nobody really could explain this. And the pathologists were actually asked under oath in my suggestion in the late 90s if they had seen this thing at the autopsy. They were each asked individually, separately, under oath, and each one of the three said, no, they hadn't seen this. So what's going on here? Hmm. And what, what's the meaning of this thing? Well, the official government investigations prior to this had said that this represented a bullet fragment on the back of JFK's head, and it just so happens to be 6.5 millimeters in diameter. And guess what? That's exactly the same caliber of the Mamaker Carcano that Oswald supposedly owned and shot that day. Right. The problem with the x-rays, of course, is there's nothing on the back of the skull to correlate with this. In other words, we have a paradox. We see something from the front on the x-ray that we cannot find on the lateral x-ray. Now, does that make sense? Does that happen in the real world? Something shows up on one view but not the other? Right. That's like magic. And so finally I realized, after talking to some of the old-time radiology technologists who had worked in that era, I asked them, how did you guys copy x-rays way back then? They said, well, we just went into the darkroom and used a light box. Wow. It's like photocopying. Uh -huh. And then I found a wonderful textbook that showed exactly how to do that. And I realized, if you did a second exposure while you're doing this, for example, you could take a piece of cardboard and cut a circle, sure. like a 6.5-millimeter hole, and do a second exposure. You could put bullet fragments anywhere you liked. And then I showed just how that, that could be done. And I produced uh, interesting pictures with scissors and brains on the skull right. actually. And... Uh, one morning I woke up and I said, hmm, my, my like five-year-old daughter has this tracing kit with a pteranodon in it. So that day I made a cell <laughs> x-ray with a pteranodon, and then I called it my bird brain. <laughs> That's awesome. <sighs> and, and, and for our listeners out there, this is talking about, the doctor is talking about darkroom work here. This is way before Photoshop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> this is Anton. <laughs> film developing with chemicals, getting your hands wet. And so I actually did that. This, I did this work actually in the 1990s when we still used film, actual film right. with silver in it. Of course, I couldn't do that today. Things with technology has changed so much. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I have to wonder if that's not intentionalist on some level, too, because, I mean, there's no such thing as true photographic evidence anymore. Mm -mm. No, no, there isn't. It's just like when you, once you start publishing everything digitally, uh, time-honored uh, works of literature and commentary and evaluation and history, they can subtly change one word at a time, you know? Well, I was just discussing this morning uh, the history of, of 
alteration of movie films, which almost started from the very beginning. And I've written right. an essay on it called uh, The Real Story, spelled R-E-E-L, or The Real Story, R-E-A-L. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, for example, a film of Hitler dancing a wonderful little shade at the signing of the um, end of World War II. And it's uh, very impressive when you see it. But the fact is that this is not an authentic uh, movie film. It was right. just concocted for the, for the occasion. Uh, but the forgery of films goes way, way back to the very beginning. Well, now, um, let's, ta- let's, let's take a, uh, a look at the official, and I'll put quotation marks around that, uh, the, uh, the official look at the the Kennedy assassination. Now, you know, they the the Warren Commission stated that Kennedy was shot by uh, Lee Harvey Oswald from the uh, uh, the school book depository using a uh, a cheap mail order Italian rifle, uh, and that uh, uh, he was the only one, and that Kennedy was struck from the 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 rear from the from the back and I, and I can't remember did they decide that uh, that Oswald only hit him that Oswald may have shot a couple of times but he only hit Kennedy once and then once that in the head and then once in the back and that gave rise to the single bullet theory right right so two strikes exactly exactly uh, but people who were there on the scene claimed that there were shots coming from several different directions. Yes, absolutely. And then that uh, um, the Zabruder film, and, 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 and I want to talk to you, you know, later about uh, uh, the obvious uh, doctoring of that. Uh, Very good. Yes. Seems to show, and, and and of course, then the other witnesses uh, seem to uh, indicate that Kennedy, uh, the the killing bullet, actually came from the front, yes, which I caused uh, which caused the back of his head to explode mm-hmm. uh, as the as the bullet exited. But uh, the official report says that no, that didn't happen. That uh, that that the killing shot came from the back. Uh, so, uh, uh, your research then on the x-rays seems to indicate a different scenario totally than, different. The, than, the, totally. than the official reports. Absolutely. And the reason things have been so confused for so long is because the evidence has been altered. Mm-hmm. As I said, the uh, <clears throat> final x-ray originally did not have that bullet fragment inside of JFK's right orbit that was added later to give the impression that Oswald had done it. So when you have altered evidence like this, things get very muddled. And the photographs were also altered. We have, we have dozens of witnesses from Dealey Plaza and from Parkland Hospital who saw a big hole in the back of JFK's head on the right side, center to right. Um, almost total unanimity about this. And yet when you look at the autopsy photographs, you don't see a big hole there at all. You just see hair, and which implies that there was no wound there at all. So we have a flagrant contradiction. But, of course, that photograph was altered, too. They had to do that. If they hadn't done these things, everyone would know immediately that there had been a conspiracy, mm-hmm. and that was not allowed in 1963. 
was too dangerous. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, in your research, have you ever seen any indication as to who, which groups or individuals might have been behind this conspiracy? Well, that's not my expertise. If you want my amateur's opinion on that, I think it was a liaison between the CIA and the mafia and uh, American intelligence. But you should find another character like John Newman, who knows a lot more about this issue than I do. So now... This is in the medical evidence, especially x-rays. Well, uh, that's the thing, that's the thing that I want to, to to ask you then. So the 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 the, the X-rays uh, and and first of all, uh, how where were you able to gain access um, to these X-rays to begin with? I had to write to the Kennedy attorney, and it took me almost twelve months to get permission to visit the National Archives, uh, where I went in the early nineties. And then in the early 2000s, about 10 years later, I wanted to go back and do some more things. And they wouldn't let me in unless I got permission again. Hmm. And here I am now. I have some more ideas of what else I might find that are that's really curious and extraordinary. And I'm probably going to have to write a third time to get permission to go. Really? Huh. And do you think that, uh, um, has anybody else had access that you know of oh, to yes. these Dr. x-rays in the just past? just went there this uh, spring. Uh-huh. Dr. Chesser is in the process of putting a paper together to talk. And, um, well, well, my book, uh, my e-book is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Apple. JFK's Head Wounds is the title. JFK's Head Wounds. Anyway, there's a review on Amazon from Mike Chester where he says clearly that uh, he agrees with me from his measurements of the x-rays that there was manipulation of the skull x-rays. So, yes, the answer to your question is definitely. We now have confirmation from another physician who has done these measurements as well. But now, do you think that these x-rays before they were placed in the National Archives, do you think that they were altered right from the very beginning, or do you think it was after, you know, like quite a ways after the fact, when somebody realized that there there was going to be questions and people wanting to look at them? Well, the conspirators knew right away they were in trouble because the evidence was so damning, uh, pointing in the direction of multiple shots shots from the front and a conspiracy, but they had to do something immediately. Now, the radiologist at the autopsy was John Eversall, and I've spoken to him twice. One of my conversations was recorded and is easily available online. There's a reference to it in my book, JFK's Head Wounds. So, <clears throat> most likely, John Eversall is the one who did this. Here's what we know. On the morning after the assassination, now we're talking about Saturday, November 23rd, John Ebersole calls into his radiology suite his technologist, Gerald Custer. And I've, talked to, I've met Gerald and have talked to him many times on the phone and in person. And Gerald says that the radiologist told him to start taking pictures, x-ray pictures, that is, of uh, bullet fragments, skull fragments, and bullet fragments taped to skull fragments. I mean, this is just madness. And then finally... Gerald gets up enough courage to ask the radiologist, why are we doing this? 
and the radiologist Eversol says, well, we're, we're trying to get enough information together to make a, a bust of JFK. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? So I think what they were trying right away to alter the x-rays. That's what these attempts were about. But eventually, I think Eversol realized that it was easier to do it in the dark room, as I said earlier. It's a very simple process of the double exposure. So I think all this work uh, was just his initial exploratory effort that didn't go anywhere. Hmm. Here's what else we know. A few weeks after the assassination, John Ebersol was told to report to the White House. The Secret Service wanted to see him at the White House. And when he went there, he was shown the autopsy x-rays. And while he was there, he drew a pencil line on the x-rays. That pencil line is still there, so I know that no changes were made after that visit. Hmm. Right. So do you see any anything involving LBJ in all this? Well, that's not where my expertise lies. I've read a lot about LBJ, of course. Uh, and again, this is an amateur's opinion because I'm not a historian. My, right. my sense is that it would have been too dangerous for LBJ to be overtly involved. Now, whether he was tacitly involved by nodding his head or some such thing, you know, who knows. But he gained an enormous amount from this. Oh, sure. I mean, he was under investigation uh, by Congress that very day. Right, exactly. For his and antics in Texas. And, uh, and, and after JFK was shot, that whole investigation stopped on a dime and it was never picked up again. Well, he, he, he consolidated his power oh, totally. immensely after that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big part of the problem that we have now because some of the things he did um, had just made – it was sort of the beginning of a, of a, of a snowball effect, I think. Um, My goodness, uh, yes. What's, yeah. If you look at the American public's trust in government, we know that it, it began crashing after that JFK assassination. That's been well documented. Yeah. And it rose only slightly during the Reagan era. And now, of course, we know it's really our our populist view of government is really low. I mean, what's what's their approval rating in Congress, for example? Yeah, ten percent, isn't it? Yeah, I have a problem with with the whole thing because I look at what they do and what they say they're going to do, and then what they end up doing, and whether no matter what kind of elected official it is, or what party they're in, or, or whatever. And I ask myself, are these people really being elected? Or are we just seeing a game, a, a, a puppet game here? I mean, you know, it's kind of like the, the thing we talked about earlier with the books and photos. Once something goes digital, it's totally untrustworthy. I mean, and now our entire electoral process is digital. That's well, a scary thought, isn't it? It is. It definitely it is. is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I know that, that uh, in uh, the re-election uh Obama in some some precincts in Ohio and somewhere else, he got a hundred and twenty percent of the vote. How do you do that? How do you get a hundred and twenty percent of anything? Well, you can introduce the whole issue of electronic voting machines. Are they reliable? Can yeah, they be manipulated? Exactly. Yeah, Andrew there's Kreeg, definitely something wrong. K R I E G has written written wonderfully on this in his book called Puppetry, which is available um, online or as a printed version as well. Andrew Creek, uh, Washington D.C. Uh, journalist, so he's very, very concerned about. Yeah, I think I think the game is basically up. 
I, I think I think that uh, we're in the, we're in a, we're in a soft dictatorship now, and, and I think it's going to get harder, more of a hardline dictatorship as it goes forward. That's just my my paranoid ramblings, though. So well, but we can trace yeah, all that back. Yeah, we could trace that all back though for the beginning uh, with the uh, Kennedy assassination. As far as I'm sure. concerned, I mean that well, was you know, that. The polls yeah. are very, very clear about that. Well, guys, I mean, I think think about this. I mean, if you really want to talk about people affecting um, the way the country works as opposed to the way it was designed to work, you, uh, just go back and look at what Abraham Lincoln did. He consolidated the federal government's power like no one was intended to do. Good yeah. memory. It, yeah, and he even, uh, you know, he suspended the Constitution. He arrested guys who owned newspapers in the North for writing, they were writing articles about what he was doing. He had them arrested and held without trial for months at a time, shut down their newspapers. I mean, he did all kinds of stuff that's just totally dictatorial and was against what the Constitution said he, he was allowed to do. And the country has really not been the same since. And he was a Republican. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, Republican so, president. But yeah, both sides, <laughs> supposed parties, do these things. Well, in well, my, my book, I also discuss the autopsy photographs. Uh, we we turned up a very interesting witness named Quentin Schwinn, who was a student at the Rochester Institute of Technology uh, about. 20 years after the assassination and he was shown uh, what uh, purports to be an authentic autopsy photograph and uh, that picture is reproduced in my book and it shows a gunshot entry wound high in JFK's forehead just near the hairline on the right side and that's totally consistent with a whole lot of other evidence including the remaining metal fragments on the skull x-ray it fits perfectly with what we see on the x-ray so i think quentin is most likely did see an authentic photograph that was taken out of the official collection because it was too damning it would clearly have demonstrated conspiracy hmm. so you can read about that too in the book so okay now uh supposedly you know the bullet that was fired by oswald you know uh, went through kennedy uh, then uh, and then struck Connolly, and then it right, was so found it entered, on supposedly entered the jfk's upper back on the right right back. but but then was found uh, on uh, what was it was it a gurney uh, after yeah, the right. after the fact in in pristine condition Almost the same condition. Yeah, that's just madness. There are many anatomic problems with this bullet. Uh, that, of course, was just invented by Arlen Specter and uh, Humes, the pathologist, because they had to. If they hadn't invented that, again, they would have been stuck with conspiracy. So they were backed against the wall, and they had no choice but to invent this. It was all nonsense. But I mean, you you still hear skeptics of the whole, you know, uh, uh, conspiracy of the JFK assassination. Uh, bring the magic bullet up, saying that oh, well, no, and uh, here's uh, you know, here's proof that uh, that Kennedy was just shot by yeah, uh, no by one gunman. I was able to uh, produce a CT scan of a patient similar to JFK, and um, I entered the entry and exit sites of that supposed bullet. And it's not possible. It would have fractured his spine, or it would have punctured his lung. It didn't do either. 
Mm -hmm. So it's all, all just magic myth. So now, have you looked at any of the x-rays of, uh, of uh, Governor Connolly? Uh, yeah, we've looked at Connolly's x-rays, too. I don't uh -huh. know that I have any explosive information about that. He did have a superficial wound in his uh, thigh. Uh, the bullet fragment there didn't go in very far. And, of course, his, his chest was really uh, destroyed almost on the right side. Ribs were, a rib was fractured. A lot of the lung was damaged. And actually, his, his ultimate cause of death was fibrosis as a result of that injury. And where where did the shot that uh, that that struck Governor Colony come from then? Well, it wasn't the magic bullet, right? I think that's the strongest statement we can make. It had to be a separate shot. So it it could have come from the book depository from an upper level, but it's difficult to pin down exactly because we don't know the necessary details. We don't know exactly how Conley was oriented when he was hit. There's uh, disagreement about when he was hit, for example, so his position's uncertain. So it makes it very difficult to pin down exactly the, where the origin of the shot was. But mm -hmm. it was certainly not the magic bullet. It had to be a separate shot. Right. So were, do you know, I mean, were there any, uh, uh, were there any fragments of uh, bullets found in, in Connolly or, or, you know, um, uh, well, there's, or vis Go ahead. Uh, there, there are a few pieces still uh, of metal still left in Conley. In fact, some years ago there was an effort to try to test them, uh, but the family refused to do it. But there's not much there. Right. Huh. Interesting. What has been the reaction um, from uh, from others based on your conclusions of the x-rays and when I say others I mean you know other uh, assassination theorists uh, skeptics uh, uh, people along those lines well you, you can predict what would happen if people don't know how to respond in any scientific or logical fashion they attack the person <laughs> So John McAdams takes this approach, for example. He was a former professor at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So his approach is to attack me and say that I'm a kook and a nut. But he refuses to look at my CV, where he has now apparently finally realized that I published a very important article in peer-reviewed literature right. reviewed by other scientists and who found it acceptable. So I don't know what John McAdams is saying these days. I don't think he's going to get very far by attacking my personality or character. But that's what he's left with. Oh, and that's, I mean, we've seen that time and time again. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah, that man, that that's doesn't get to the do. heart of the matter. Let's talk about the issues. Well, not just that. I mean, there's a whole, uh, you know, the so-called skeptic movement. Their, their only real agenda is to make anyone who raises real questions about certain things to just sit down and be quiet. They would yeah. just shame you into it if they can. Yeah. You know, uh, that's what, they're not really skeptics in the original sense of the word skeptic. Um, they're they're, they're polemicists. Yes, and they're debunkers. That's what they do. And, and that doesn't help anybody get to the truth. That's no. not the path to truth. That's right. It's not scientific. The path to truth is measurements. And I took hundreds of measurements on the JFK x-rays at the National Archives over many days. That's all been published. Uh, it's referenced in my book. It's referenced in the peer-reviewed article I published. So that's all available in JFK's Head Wounds. 
Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple, etc. Hmm. Well, now, do you know has has there been any um, brain material, tissue samples, anything like that from JFK that uh, that was uh, uh, saved? Well, John Stringer was the photographer at the brain autopsy. That was a separate date from uh, November 22nd. That was the next week, probably. Mm -hmm. John Stringer reports taking photographs of sections of brain. We don't have those. Hmm. What's even worse is that when John Stringer was shown by this government committee uh, photographs of the brain, he said, those aren't my pictures. I didn't take those. And the reason he knew is because he knew what type of film he used and how he had taken them. So what is going on here? How can the brain photographs in the archives with supposed official pictures not be recognized by the photographer, the only photographer who could possibly have taken them? This whole case has just been a mess. That's really, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah. So Doug Horn uh, has suggested some years ago that there were actually two brain autopsies. Hmm. Uh, one of the real brain, and that all that information has disappeared, and that's what uh, John Stringer was remembering. And then a second brain autopsy that was someone else's brain, and that's almost certainly what happened, because I know from the x-rays that there's virtually no brain on the x-rays in the front on either left or right. It's just a big open airspace. But if you look at the photographs of the brain, the brain is almost all there. How is it possible right. for the x-rays to show no brain in front, but the photographs to show almost intact brain in front? That's madness. That never happens in the real world. No. And the reason is because the brain photographs we're looking at are not JFK's brain. The skull x-rays are, though. We know that. Yeah. Which which makes you wonder why they allowed those X-rays to 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 remain. You know why they oh, actually, why they didn't, they didn't get rid of those. Them remain. That's oh, okay, another but... piece of the puzzle. There are only three of them at the archives. But I spoke to Gerald Custer, the autopsy radiology tech. He said they took five or six. Wow. I spoke to him personally. I personally spoke to the radiologist John Ebersole. I asked him how many skull X-rays did you take. And he said, at least five. So these people, independently, separate from, separately from each other, the only two guys who really knew, agreed with each other, and they disagreed with three x-rays that are left in the archives. So somebody destroyed some of the skull x-rays. They had to, because, again, it would have shown conspiracy. They had no choice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's just fascinating. That's scary stuff. Yeah. It's, we even it's have... We even have a fairly convincing story of when this happened. There was a so-called burn party, according to one witness, where the incriminating x-rays and autopsy photographs were destroyed. And, and, and when did that happen? I think that was very shortly after the assassination, probably within a, a few months at least, if not sooner. Really? And, uh, and uh, on whose order? Oh, that's that, a good question. Yeah. These items were all under the control of the Secret Service. Do you know who the first person who shook JFK's hand was when he landed in Washington, D.C. that day? The head of Who's the Secret that? Service. 
Oh, really? You know who stayed on in LBJ's administration afterwards? The head of the Secret Service. Do you know who's a good friend of J. Edgar Hoover? The head of the Secret Service. Hmm. Well, I know that there has been allegations, you know, throughout the years that uh, the Secret Service <laughs> really dropped the ball on this whole on the whole situation. You know, or they were told to. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was rumors that that a lot of the uh, 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 a lot of the men uh, partied. The night before, oh yes, uh, yes, you know, and we're not in the best of health then that next day when uh, JFK was in town. Well, you might want uh, to interview the expert on the Secret Service. That's Vince Palomara. He's written a number of books on the Secret Service, and he's definitely the expert on this. If you want to follow up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it just it, the. <sighs> The whole situation from the very beginning to, well, I mean, it's still not over with, but uh, just uh, the, the, the manipulations of the, the autopsy reports with Kennedy's body, you know, things like that. I mean, it's just, uh, as, as time goes by, we learn more and more about uh, the things that really happened. And, and you still continuously are getting these news reports or these books by, you know, the skeptics who say that none of this was real. That, you know, Lee Harvey Osmond was the only person involved and there was no conspiracy. And it's just, I just don't know how these people can make statements like this with a straight face. It's a kindergarten version of history. They don't want to move on in the first grade. Oh, I like that kindergarten version of history. Oh, yes. well, that's 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 almost all accepted history now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? What can we yeah. believe? And, yeah. and, and we've reached the point at, at which, if you talk about facts and you talk about historical realities, that you're going to be branded a racist or a fascist or. A, there we go again. They're not addressing the issues. They're attacking yeah. the person. Exactly. Right. They're not exactly. trying to that's find the, the truth. They're trying to exactly. cover the truth. They're trying to revise history. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're a revisionist. That's right. Historical revisionist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now uh, you you brought up a point um, about the uh, the the photographs of the autopsy. Uh, you know, uh, Robert Morningstar states that it's in, in his opinion that the pictures of, uh, of 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 Kennedy on the autopsy table wasn't even of him. It was instead. Yes, the, I know uh, Robert's position. Yeah. Um, we may have a disagreement there. That's okay. Sometimes hard to hard to settle on major issues like this. On the X-rays, though, I'm quite sure that the X-rays were of JFK because uh, there are fine details in bone structure around the pituitary gland, for example, in facial bones that are unique to each individual. It's like a fingerprint, and so we we have an X-ray of JFK taken while he was still living that we can compare to the autopsy x-rays, and they really do match. Those were really his x-rays. Now, of course, Robert could argue that photographs were taken of somebody else at some other time and, and substituted into the record. That's a whole different issue. Right, right. Huh. And, uh, uh, uh... 
what is it the 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 missing X-ray photographs that you had referred to earlier, and I wanted to ask you that uh, when we were talking about it, but I got distracted. <laughs> I got distracted. That's uh, easy for me. Uh, why do you think that? Some are still around, and others have disappeared. Oh, well, uh, the ones that are missing would clearly have shown conspiracy. Uh, they really? showed they showed bullet fragments, too many bullet fragments in too many places to be consistent with just one headshot. You know, the official version is one headshot from Lee Harvey Oswald from the back. But originally, the x-rays probably showed evidence for multiple headshots. And so that, that situation could not... Uh, continue. It would have been too obvious to everyone. So most likely, uh, Jim Humes, the chief pathologist, when he saw the original x-rays, realized that he had to get those fragments out. And there's a lot of evidence that he actually did take fragments out of the brain and then took more x-rays. Gerald Custer tells that story very clearly, the radiology tech, so that he took two, maybe even three sequences of skull x-rays that whole process then would have allowed Hume's time using the first x-ray to remove the pieces that weren't supposed to be there. And the reason I say he had time is because to process these x-rays, Gerald Custer had to go to another part of the hospital at Bethesda. He had to actually take an elevator to an upper floor to take the x-rays there. And then he had to take time to develop them. So... In, in a single round trip, Humes would have had time using the first x-rays to remove the metal fragments that weren't supposed to be there. There's even a report of an orderly who saw him do that. And I think he had no choice. If he hadn't done that, conspiracy would have been obvious. Again, he was backed into a corner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and do you think that uh, do you think that he did that under orders? Or oh, yes, that he took it apart? He was, oh, he okay. was told... He was told that the gunman, at the beginning of the autopsy, he says this in his autopsy report, there was just one gunman, he was firing from the rear. And that whole autopsy room was full of higher brass from multiple branches of the military. <laughs> they uh, knew what they wanted. That was pretty clear. Right. And the people who knew him said that he was very devoted to the military and he was very good at following orders. So he knew where his pension and promotion were were coming from and he got them he was well, promoted shortly after that and that's just what I was going to say what happened to him afterwards oh, he, he, he was is... rewarded very nicely so uh-huh. he got to spend his senior years on the golf course in Florida he did fine hmm well now you, you, you stated that uh, the, the, the lost x-rays would have showed multiple gunshot wounds I mean is there any way to tell with the material that you currently have uh, how many other wounds uh, to the head ah, yes. uh, the JFK uh, get that's discussed in great detail in my book mm-hmm. Appendix K uh, gives you the whole scenario and figure 36 shows where I think the headshots came from. Two from the front, one from the rear. And in table one, I list all the evidence. And I line it up by columns, showing what evidence supports which headshot. So that's all spelled out in great detail for your, for your readers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and where, uh, 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 what's, what's the name of the, your book again? Where can they uh, get our listeners? Head Wounds. Uh-huh. 
And so that's available uh, as an ebook on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple, etc. All right, fantastic. And uh, uh, these, uh, especially the front uh, head wounds. I mean, you know, is there any way to tell? Like, uh, uh, did they come at uh, ground level, above ground level, or you know, uh, what have you? Well, I think that the shot from the front that went in the forehead, the one I referred to before, uh, certainly came from nearly the front. It could have been on the overpass. Mm-hmm. There's a very good place to shoot from there. It would be consistent with that. And there's another shot from the front that came in near the right ear. Mm. That's the one that went out the back and caused the big hole that everyone saw. Uh, that probably came in from a slight elevation, so that's totally consistent with a grassy knoll, just like everyone has always believed. I think when we finally get close to the truth, everything begins to fit, and that's the case I make in my book. Everything fits now that we've got all the pieces here. Well, and that's you know that's the point. Uh, there are so many people there uh, that witnessed this shooting, and so many reported that there were gunshots coming from directions other than from the, the, uh, the, the yeah. commission wanted. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but but they were ignored. I mean, uh, they were totally ignored. Yeah. They were actually told, well, we've already discussed, we've already decided what happens, so we don't, we don't want to listen to this. I mean, that's almost literally what they were told. Is that how we find well, the truth? crazy. It is. Yeah. It's, it's just so crazy. But they weren't interested in crazy. That, that wasn't the yeah. point of the investigation. Hmm. I mean, they, the, the, their, mind was, their minds were made up. The story yeah. had been written before oh, the shots had even happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was all well, decided very quickly. Yeah, that's just. Uh, I, I tell you something. I mean, you know, you you get more and more into the evidence, and it's uh, the stories that were told right from the very beginning from the people who were there. They knew. I agree with you. They knew. There's no reason not to believe them. They saw it, and, and these were simple things to, to view, to remember, and they were deposed. They were asked right away afterwards. You don't, you don't lose your memory just like that in a few minutes. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Well, um, and that's one of the things. Uh, it's, it's about time, gentlemen, for us to, to go to our, uh, our next break here. And uh, uh, when we come back, uh, I would like to talk about um, the, the Zabruda film and okay. some of the stuff that, that you have found that, that seems to indicate that it's not quite what it shows it <laughs> uh, right. to, to be. Uh, so, well, let's, uh, Mike, let's go ahead and let's, let's go to our break, and then when we come back, that we'll continue our, our conversation, our absolutely fascinating and disturbing conversation with uh, uh, Dr. Mantic. So I'm Tim Swartz. You are listening to The Outer Edge on the PSN Radio Network. We will be right back with more from uh, Dr. David Mantic. So please stay tuned.
Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. We're rewarding you for something you already do, listening to us. It's Radio Loyalty, and it's an easy way for you to get free stuff. All you do is sign up. Go ahead and click the banner now. You'll earn points as you listen, points you can trade in for great products and services in the Radio Loyalty store. You can earn even more points when you share your favorite station with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Radio Loyalty, it's free to sign up, so click the banner to join now. Only in the forest can you see this. <laughs> But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. And you might just see this. <laughs> Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, there's another one. Wow. Busy, busy me. So, anyway... Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. My friends keep commenting on my comment. Oh, there's another one. So many comments on my comment. Oh, I can't wait to watch TV tonight. Playoffs! Hey, guys, check out my new video game. Wait, wait, mom, what? Huh? What? Hold What'd on. you say? Wait a second, huh? This weekend, unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. There are some who call me Tim. All right, welcome back to The Outer Edge. I'm Tim Swartz. Today we're talking with Dr. David Mantic about uh, the JFK assassination and his research into the uh, uh, x-rays that were uh, taken of, uh, of, of Kennedy showing uh, obvious discrepancies and downright Forgeries of uh, right. his wounds and the bullet fragments. Um, one of the other aspects that uh, um, 
that you have that you have uh, researched, Doctor Mantic, is the uh, the Zabruta film. And uh, well, and uh, for those out there who aren't uh, who aren't familiar with the Zabruta film, and uh, it, it that would surprise me if you didn't, but well, I'll, I'll bring it up anyway. Uh, supposedly, even though that there were a number of people on the scene who had uh, uh, film cameras and were taking, uh, 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 you know, uh, especially eight millimeter films of uh, uh, JFK when he was there in. Texas, the Zabruta film is about the only one that has really come out there. I think there's maybe been uh, uh, one other that uh, uh, has uh, that that showed the assassination, and almost immediately after Kennedy was killed, uh, his footage was bought by it was it was Life magazine, wasn't it? Yes, Life. I think yeah, Life magazine, and it really did not see the light of day for years and years. Many years, uh, yes. Yeah, well, it wasn't until, what, was it 1978? Uh, about right. Robert Groden played a big role in getting it on Geraldo Rivera. Right. Uh, but, I mean, there there were still images that were taken from it, but none of them really showed uh, anything worth a damn. <laughs> you yeah, know, but, they, 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 they couldn't show what really happened. Uh, right. And there were a lot of still uh, images from the Zapruta film that were published in those early versions of life, including the memorial edition. Mm-hmm. But once once the film was released publicly, uh, there were a number of people who who viewed it and and said that there wasn't something right here. That you know the 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 film had obviously been doctored in in various ways and i mean did this this was the, the the conclusion that you came to am i correct yes that's right well we have the reports of very early viewers of the film including the very same weekend of the assassination uh, these viewers uniformly report seeing things that we don't see in the film anymore in particular most viewers saw evidence of multiple shots to jfk Nowadays, that's very hard to find, except for the, the famous headshot. Other than that, uh, people have debated for decades on where he was shot, but that did not seem to be the case with the early viewers who saw that film. Mm-hmm. And what uh, and, and what did the early viewers uh, uh, see exactly? Well, some of them described uh, three or four shots to Kennedy, and they said it was quite obvious. And they also recalled very distinct shots to Conley which we don't see clearly at all in the film anymore. But you know what the biggest thing is? <clears throat> Virtually everybody who was in Dealey Plaza said that the presidential limousine stopped or nearly stopped. But if you watch the current version of the film, it only slows down slightly, almost imperceptibly. I have yet to find anyone who said that it stopped or nearly stopped, because it doesn't. Mm-hmm. How can so many people be so uniformly wrong about something so simple and something they promptly remembered? And if you look at the media reports uh, during that first week after the assassination, they virtually all agree that the limousine stopped. How could everyone have been under the same delusion? Well, of course they weren't. Actually, the limousine did stop, but the stop was taken out of the film that we have today because it would, have, it would have told too much of the conspiracy story. They had to do that. Hmm. Well, and uh, uh, now, uh, 
the Zabruta film was it? Uh, remind me here. Was it eight millimeter, sixteen millimeter? Eight millimeter. It was eight millimeter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, was it a was it a single reel or was it one of those uh, uh, dual reels where you would have well, to? Well, you flip uh, it around. Um, it, it's actually physically sixteen millimeters. Right. But you, you only shoot. Eight millimeters at a time, and when you get to the end of the reel, you take it out, flip it over, and do the other side. Okay. And then when you process it, you split it down the middle, so you end up with eight millimeter film. Okay. I think that's you know because uh, it, it had been reported for a number of years that it was uh, you know a, a sixteen millimeter. Uh, physically, it was. Physically, yeah, but uh, you, know, I, you know, people were under the impression it was like, uh, like the news, uh, you know, newsreel cameras of the days, which were which were all shot on sixteen millimeter. But you know, actually, it was once it was processed and then slit, it was eight millimeter. Um, so after Life Magazine bought the film. Um, how long do you do you have any idea how long it was before anybody actually uh, outside of uh, Life Magazine or or who knows who else uh, had a chance to uh, to take a look at it? Well, only the insiders, of course, were allowed to see it. But Dan right. Rather makes some interesting points in his book, his uh, his biography. He says that the security for the Saputo film was rather loose. And it was fairly easy for people to take out, and I'm talking about copies now, probably not the original, take out copies to look at. Hmm. And what's really interesting is that we have a small number of people who swear, including some people I personally know, who swear that they saw versions of the film that are totally different from what we have today. And I discuss this in some of my writings. And these people generally tell fairly consistent stories, too. For example, the current Zapruder film does not show the limousine making the big turn onto uh, the final street where he was shot. Um, Right. uh, But people who saw other versions of the film distinctly remember seeing the limousine make that turn from Houston Street onto Elm Street. So I think that disappeared. And even Zapruder himself, when he was testifying before the Warren Commission, was quite confused about what he was seeing in his own film. It was as if he didn't recognize it. And of course he didn't, because it had been changed so much. Hmm. And he reports quite specifically that he started shooting at the turn from Houston on to Elm. And what we have today, uh, that's all gone. The the limousine is uh, fairly far down Elm Street before we actually see it in the current version. Well, now, is there any is there any evidence that that you can see on the film itself where uh, maybe frames have been removed? Or, well, there are there are several places of physical damage to the film. And really, that's very peculiar. That's uh-huh. not supposed to happen when you develop films. How, how can that be? What kind What kind of damage? Well, uh, I mean, the, the the film itself is physically damaged. Um, hmm. The original. Uh huh. You can see that it's been spliced together. And uh, the, the story we get, the cover story we get, is that this happened in the, in the processing stage. And right. some technician was supposedly guilty of this. Now, I don't think that's very believable. I think there was probably something um, important that was cut out at that point. Hmm. 
Well, yeah, because I mean, you can uh, uh, you can check and see uh, uh, you know, on on the film itself uh, if uh, frames have been removed. I mean, even with a uh, a copy taken of a film, uh, you can still see the sequence of frames, uh, and, and 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 you're able to tell. That's right. What's what's in order and what's what's out of order? Um, I guess there's also been some allegations that there was some uh, uh, actual physical doctoring of the imagery itself. I mean, I, I, oh yeah, rather, rather rather crude doctoring. Uh, yeah, once you know where to look, it looks pretty pretty ridiculous. Right. Let me make a couple of other points here, though. Okay. Uh, in the current uh, version of the film. The famous uh, frame is called Zapruder Frame 313. That's where the headshot occurs. Mm-hmm. Now, we have lots of evidence. And, and, and in the Warren Commission report, that's the last of three shots because Oswald didn't have time to fire more than three. So that has to be the last shot in the whole sequence in their official scenario. Uh, but that's not what the witnesses say. Again, in my book, I discuss this in great detail. Uh, for example, there's a there's a wonderful photograph, figure 25 in the book, which is actually taken from Newsweek, 1993, which shows the third shot something like 40 or 50 feet beyond where the official report puts it. Hmm. And this is not something Newsweek made up. It's based on reenactments right after the assassination. It's based on data tables and documents, all of which were ignored by the Warren Commission. Yeah, I was about to ask multiple, you. multiple witnesses who will report uh, a shot after that famous headshot. So what are your so thoughts? Again, we have a, a serious uh, paradox here between right. the official story and what so many, many witnesses saw and heard. What are, what are your thoughts on the Warren Commission? I'm sorry, say that again? What are your thoughts on the Warren Commission? Well, I think their book should put in, should be put in the fiction section of the library. <laughs> but what do you think? I mean, do you think that they willingly, all of them, went along with the cover-up? You know, they didn't, actually. There were some serious protesters among the, the members of the commission. And uh, one of them wrote a, a very detailed minority report, if you like. Right. And he couldn't even get it into the final version. It was taken out. Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> Even if you're on the commission, you're tight. Your hands were tight. Oh yeah, that's uh, crazy. Uh, that, that is crazy. crazy. Hmm. I wanted to say also that readers or listeners who are really interested in the Zapruder film should purchase a book which is totally devoted to that subject. It's called The Great Zapruder Film Hoax, edited by Fetzer, F-E-T-Z-E-R. So the whole book is and it's full of wonderful pictures, too. And it answers most of the questions you want to ask about this subject. Well, there was, there's also, uh, there's been a lot of controversy about um, the movement of Kennedy's body after, after he oh, was yes, shot. Absolutely. Uh, the witness has said he slumped forward. I discussed right. that in great detail in the, another book edited by Fetzer called Assassination Science. On pages uh, 288 and beyond, I, I go through all the uh, witnesses' reports of what he did. It's pretty clear that he slumped forward. Even Dan Rather, who saw the Zapruder film that weekend, said he right. fell forward. And so did uh, 
J. Edgar Hoover's uh, sidekick who saw the film that weekend. He said JFK went forward. But that's not what we see in the current version of the film. Mm. In this film, version, of course, he goes very quickly backward, so-called head snap. So again, we have this paradox between what the uh, early viewers saw and what we have left with today. Even the witnesses who are actually physically present in Dewey Plaza, they don't describe a head snap. And yet if you show this film once to an elementary school classroom and you turn the projector off and you ask them what they saw, they'll all say, my goodness, his head went back. But that's not what Dan Rather saw. And so... Uh... How can uh, uh, how can the film be doctored then in such a way to uh, uh, to show just the opposite? <laughs> well, we we have <clears throat> evidence now that uh, the film was being altered that same weekend because in Washington D.C. and Doug Horn has uh, documented this very thoroughly in his um, report on the Assassination Records Review Board. H-O-R-N-E is his last name. He documented that there were two Zapruder film events in Washington, D.C. that weekend. Hmm. These were controlled by the CIA, essentially. And these were totally compartmentalized. One group did not know what the other group was doing. Really? And they saw different, they saw different films that same weekend. Right. And it was only a decade later that they realized that. One of the guys is named Dino Bugioni, who was very important in the aerial surveillance photographs that were taken of Cuba just before the Cuban Missile Crisis. He's still living. And so Doug Horn interviewed him on video, in color, and you can see those interviews. And he's describing what he saw in his Bruder film that weekend compared to what he sees now. And it's right. clearly different. So it was being modified that very weekend. Just as I believe the x-rays were being modified that very weekend. Mm-hmm. What about uh, uh, some of the other films that were that were taken on the scene? I know there was, uh, gosh, what was it? Is it the Dix film, Nix film? Right, there are two other movie films. One is by Orville Nix, mm-hmm. and the other is the much more film. The reason you don't hear as much about them is that they're taken from farther away. Right. So the detail is much less clear. They're taken from the other side of the limousine. They're taken from the left side. The Zapruder film was taken from the right side. And, of course, Zapruder was standing very close uh, to Elm Street when he shot his film. So you know, a lot of comparisons have been made between the two films. And a lot of discrepancies have indeed been seen. So that, again, suggests that serious alteration was going on. And um, Nix, when he got his film back, he said, I thought the film I gave you, somebody's messed with my film, and, and we have the same problem with the much more film. At the supposed official headshot, the film is damaged again, just, <laughs> just where you'd expect it might be damaged. Hmm. So the story of alteration totally fits together. One of the things that I remember hearing about um, the whole uh, uh, Dealey Plaza event was that um, Kennedy's motorcade 
was not supposed to go into that area on its original route, and that the route had been altered. Um, I guess I don't you know like a, an hour to a couple hours uh, before, and that uh, one of the and and I've and I've heard this you know on both sides on the you know like why there couldn't have been a conspiracy or why there could be a conspiracy because of the alteration of the route. Uh, you know, have you have you heard anything about that? Oh yeah, that's been discussed uh, extensively. We know for sure that, that that turn from Houston to Elm Street, it's a very sharp turn. It's not just a right-angle turn. Uh, you really have to pull sharply to the left and make that turn, and it was, in fact, difficult for the limousine to do that, according to the witnesses. We don't see it in the film, of course. Right. Uh, so this this very sharp turn violated security uh, Secret Service protocol. They weren't supposed to slow down that much. It's not safe for the president to be going at such a slow speed because somebody can easily take a shot at him. So it violated protocol, whether or not the route was changed. There was clear uh, irresponsibility on their part to put him through that turn. So if that was the case, then uh, having... Lee Harvey Oswald, knowing beforehand that uh, that that Kennedy was going, uh, if he was just a lone gunman, that uh, if the motorcade wasn't supposed to come come by the Texas School Book Depository, how would he know beforehand then to to bring his his rifle that morning in preparation for that? Well, the so. whole Oswald story is a big mess, too. It's <laughs> it not is. likely that he brought his rifle that morning. We don't even know that he owned that particular rifle. There's a lot of evidence, pictorial evidence, that the rifle officially on display is not the one he ordered. And that can be uh, seen in some of my essays. Uh, Jim Diogenio has discussed that at length. It's pretty clear that uh, there's another paradox here. The, the wrong rifle was shown in evidence. Well, I know the uh, the the first reports that came out about the uh, the type of rifle that he used didn't even mention uh, that brand. I gosh, I can't remember. What. Oh yeah, they got it wrong right off the bat. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, and, and and of course, I mean, you know, I've I've seen a number of people uh, try to replicate the uh, <laughs> uh, oh, trying the to fire right. yeah trying to fire off using that bolt action uh, rifle in the amount Howard of time Howard Donahue is apparently the only one who could do it consistently I, I met Howard I was at his house uh, but the other experts really really couldn't do it mm. well, the only and, thing we and, know is that when Oswald was in Russia he was such a bad shot when they went out hunting that other people had to shoot his game for him <laughs> Uh, well, I've, uh, I, I, I was trying to remember. I can't remember what the classifications was that you know that 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 he had. Uh, oh, he was a marksman, which is marksman. Which, I start to say, you know, yeah. wasn't that isn't that like the lowest on the scale? Yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah, right, right. So he, he just got lucky that day, according to the official report. When you're shooting at a president, you get lucky. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and you know, you had or, mentioned or unlucky. Yeah, <laughs> you had mentioned earlier, though the, uh, the eyewitness testimony saying that the the limousine had stopped at one right. point, 
which um, in uh, the the whole assassination game is uh, what you're supposed to do in order to allow you know your gunman to to get their mark. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It worked, so, didn't it? It did. It did. But uh, again, the eyewitness testimony is never believed. Or if it's not believed, it's it's not touched upon. Well, they can't afford to believe it. Because once you start believing what the witnesses saw uniformly, very simple observations reported promptly, um, you're in trouble because it clearly shows conspiracy. So you, you can't believe witnesses or you get, it, get yourself into a conspiracy and that's trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, looking looking at the uh, Zabrudu film, I've got it uh, uh, called up here on my computer right now, and, and I know that uh, other people have talked about this. They've talked about the uh, the, the the blob, um, uh, the oh, yes, bright yes. the bright reddish white wound which seems mm-hmm. to appear and snake up mm-hmm. the side of the president's head. Uh, yeah. You know, looking at that, it to me it it. It looks like uh, a very badly done animation. Well, right. I mean, that's how does it run? Uh, the other thing that's badly done is the black patch that's put over frame 317 and a few frames after that. They had to do that to cover up the obvious hole that was at the back of his head. Um, mm-hmm. They're very high-resolution images that my colleagues in Hollywood have obtained uh, via the National Archives, and they show a very clear-cut geometric patch, very sharp borders, uh, very unphysical, directly over the area where we would see the big hole. So we know that this patch was added to the film uh, pretty early on. Hmm. You know, like like using just like masking tape or something like that. <laughs> well, you have to understand how they uh, they did it, and Doug Horn has discussed this very uh, nicely in his five volume set inside the uh, assassination records review board. Okay, well, can you can you touch on that uh, just a little bit and, you know, in case our audience well, doesn't uh, have yeah, a chance the, to my, see that? My colleagues in Hollywood have actually interviewed. A lot of the special effects people, I've seen a lot of their video interviews, which are not public yet, by the way, Hmm, but they're hoping to uh, complete this process. So the the experts are are kind of aghast at how poorly these special effects were done in the Zapruder film. They're very amateurish. Mm -hmm. And um, there's almost uniform agreement that this is uh, film tampering, alteration of the original film. Something done pretty much on the fly, so to speak. Very much so. Very much so. They were under a lot of time pressure. They did the best they could. Right. And well, it worked. Uh, it worked. It worked for a long, long time. Well, that's that's just it, though. I mean, um, at this point, a lot of people weren't even alive at the time they, you know, they weren't born yet when this happened I mean it's 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 considered ancient history oh, and it's yeah, it's yeah and and they, they they look at it and they're like yeah it was you know it was a tragic occurrence but why should why should we care now you know we what? should care because we at least for me I had only one question when I started this whole whole journey I wanted to know if the government was involved in the cover-up, because that would tell me a lot. 
And of course they were. Who else had the means or opportunity to alter the x-rays or alter the Zapruder film or alter the autopsy photographs? The Soviets couldn't get in there. The Secret right. Service held all this stuff. The Cubans couldn't get in there. The Secret Service controlled all this stuff. So the Secret Service let this all happen or asked for it to be, uh, to be done. So I answered my question. Yes, of course, the government orchestrated the cover-up. Now, I know a lot more about my government than I did before I started. I didn't know that they were capable of that when I started this journey. Well, now, would you, say the, would you say the government, you know, most people think of the president as the government. That, I mean, you can't, I mean, you know, there's, uh, there's the president and the vice president and, you know, uh, Congress and the Senate. That's the government. But, well, I mean... We had the Secret Service controlling these items. Uh-huh. The, the Secret Service was supervised by uh, Douglas Dillon, Secretary of the Treasury. And Dillon reported to LBJ. That's how close this was to LBJ. Hmm. So... We're talking about people who are. I mean, the. Uh, we're not just talking about like some 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 splinter group, just you know, like a couple of uh, you know honked off people who you know. Who, this this goes central, really wide and deep. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like um, something involving. Uh, LBJ, but also some shadowy groups that he was probably involved with from the beginning. Yeah, we don't really know to what extent LBJ knew the details of what was going on. Most likely he didn't want to know. He wanted to Mm. keep his hands off, for sure. I would if I were him. But the people under him knew what needed to be done. There was no question about that. Right. And and what, uh, uh, for what reason? That did this happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, think about it. What would have happened if if we had known a day or two after the assassination that this was a domestic conspiracy and that it involved the CIA? What would have happened in this country? Well, I think it's interesting that that he had stepped on several toes, big toes. Right before he was assassinated, he was talking oh, about... Oh, LBJ uh, stepped on all the toes. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm That's about, the like, problem. Well, I'm talking about Kennedy. I mean, he had he was talking about uh, conspiracies. He was talking about uh, the Federal Reserve and getting rid of it. Yeah, that was a big issue, wasn't it? Yeah, he there was just, a lot of stuff going on. He had just allowed the Treasury to issue their own notes. And why does that yes. matter? Well, he's cutting the... The bankers out of well, a huge amount of profit. Right. You think the bankers the might be losing a little money? Right, and the Federal Reserve is unelected by the people. It's not a, it's not a federal institution. Most people it's, don't know that. It's exactly. called the Federal Reserve, but it is not a federal institution. It's a it's Wall Street insider. Bankers. It's a Wall Wall Street insider it's club. No secret. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot going on here. There's huge there's a lot going on. Uh, All these people, these powerful people are connected to one another, a lot of them in Texas, actually. And they have very, very similar goals. One of them even not the goals that LBJ had. They knew that. One of the guys uh, involved uh, even became president later, didn't he? You talking about LBJ or someone else? Somebody else. Who are you thinking about? Uh... One of the guys photographed standing uh, on the steps 
when it was George Bush. George Bush Senior, yeah. Yeah, that's another whole story. He was there. He was there. George Bush. Right. He was actually there. He was also working for the CIA at the time. Yeah, some people say so. I don't have a final opinion on that one. Yeah. But George Bush's appointment to the CIA was a little strange. It surprised all the media. So you can carry that story on in ways, too. Russ Baker has written a good book on that. On that. Russ Baker, look up his book on George Bush. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, you you think of all the things that uh, that that Kennedy was trying to do at around that time. It was too much. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, he was he was he was gonna he was gonna end the United States involvement in Vietnam at the time. Absolutely, he was. Yeah, I mean, and there was uh, there was a lot of uh, today. Dis- we would not have the Vietnam War Memorial today if LBJ had lived. That's right. 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 Well, and there was a lot of displeasure over the way that he was handling Cuba. Well, so, Cuban, yeah, the, the, the Cuban invasion in particular just totally made him an enemy of the CIA. They had expected that JFK would supply air cover. And if Nixon had won that election, Nixon would have supplied air cover. And we might have had a nuclear holocaust because mm. the, the Cubans were ready but just to pull the finger to release those nuclear missiles. We know that today. They were totally ready to fire them on a short notice. Mm-hmm. 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 So, I mean, it's uh, it, 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 it's almost like one of these, uh, like an Agatha Christie uh, murder mystery <laughs> where... Yeah, well, I, you know, I, so, somebody, somebody brought it up to me one time that... Uh, that, that Possibly there was like maybe about five different groups of people there at Dealey Plaza to assassinate Kennedy, none of them knowing the others were there as well. well and that everybody was rather, rather, I should say, highly compartmentalized. And it uh, is possible that they, there were separate groups who didn't know what the other groups were doing. I, I think that's quite feasible. Everybody shooting at the same time. Yeah, well, they, knew, they knew when they were supposed to fire pretty clear from their positions well i mean there was there's even been allegations that uh um there was somebody shooting from a manhole cover uh close yeah, to the the, uh, the overpass yeah. i don't have any strong opinions on that i i don't invoke that in my three headshot scenario i don't think i have to whether there were shots that missed is a really good question uh it's quite possible but in, in my book, uh, JFK's Headwounds, I uh, just focus on the medical evidence. What, what do we have that's really solid that we can build a case on? And I think that case has been made now. Two shots from the front and one from the rear to the head. Well, that's, uh, you know, um, um, the book uh, uh, Crossfire uh, by, uh, by Mars. Jim yeah. Mars, yeah. I mean, you know, he uh, 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 he 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 brought forward, you know, a very good uh, case on that. So now, combined with the evidence, the you know, the medical evidence that that you have uncovered, I mean, I think the story is very clear. Yeah, we're close to the end here. This is the end. Yeah. Day. By the way, well, Jim no. Mars is, is is a good colleague of mine, and he just re- uh, sent a press release out a week or two ago summarizing my findings on the skull x-ray so we're good collaborators 
Well, see, and that's that. This is the thing. Okay, now here you have this absolutely excellent evidence. Yet, um, how much attention do you think that this is actually going to end up uh, garnering from uh, 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 the media? I mean, do you? Well, we don't do, know do you yet have... because my publisher just sent out the media notice yesterday. Uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see um, In, uh, how this is days, handled. My ebook, JFK's Headwounds, has climbed to number sixteen. So maybe there's hope. Oh, fantastic! Oh yeah! Oh my hope gosh! That. Oh my gosh! Well, good. Oh, absolutely fantastic! I'm I'm, I'm very happy. Before, this was before we sent out any media notices. Well, I, you know, I'm I'm really happy then that that we were able to get you um, on our show at this yeah, point. Yeah, you're hot off the press. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, this uh, this is something that really needs to get out there, and at times I really despair on the way the national media handles stories like this. Uh, I mean, they're not you know, they're not confident anymore, are they? No, well, they're they're much too interested in you know handling or you know uh, uh, looking into you know the uh, Cardassians' uh, 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 breast reduction surgeries rather than the real news. And well, the fireworks display on the California beach for James Harden that just happened the other night and woke everyone up. Yes, <laughs> that was close. So, uh, really, the media focus on Chloe's top line. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, it, it's no doubt on my part that, that this is deliberate. The, oh, yeah. The, yeah, that, I mean, you know, you they, they deliberately avoid stories like this because it's, well, not only is it uncomfortable, it's but painful. there are still... Yeah, well, and there are still people alive, and there are still connections um, to people uh, still in power that were a part of this uh, this this whole coup, you know, the the great American coup. So you are so right. right. They're very very yeah. powerful interests that will not let well, the story get out. I really Three years think, ago, yeah. <laughs> one of the um, one of the uh, well known videographers had put together, I think, what was to be his final segment of The Men Who Killed Kennedy. You know that show? Right. He put together, I think it was the fifth one, and that started to implicate LBJ. And the house fell down on him. He had to retract wow. his videos. They were He could not release them to the public anymore. Wow. That's really? Oh, no, yeah, I didn't know great. that. You know, well, oh, you yeah. know, if someone that's can get how a, powerful get a hold this is yet. If someone can get hold of but but people well, still don't want it to come out. Well, if someone could get those videos, there's money to be made there. Yeah, the man who killed Kennedy is a good uh, video documentary for your for your audience. And also, I, I see this as this is the day that the military that the. the, the the day Kennedy was killed was the day the military-industrial complex that we were warned about, in collusion and part of the the uh, um, the intelligence community complex. The yeah, day, actually, it should be called the military-industrial intelligence complex. That's, that's what it yes. should be called. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's the day they took over. They did. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried well, I, about Donald Trump if he gets uh, too far up in the polls. I'm not sure how safe he's going to be. Yeah, that's true. You think you, you think he's such a, uh, a, a an outsider that he won't be allowed to uh, progress? He's really an outsider, yeah. And of course, you remember what happened to Robert Kennedy when he finally won his California primary. They didn't mm-hmm. wait. Well, the thing, same thing happened to George Wallace. Yeah, George Wallace got shot nicely too, didn't he? Right, right. People yeah. forget. Pe- people forget about Wallace. You know. Yeah, oh, yeah they do. Uh, they forget uh, about a lot of things. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and they would forget about the Kennedy assassination too if it wasn't pe- for people like yourself. Oh, yeah, you know. that's true. You know, and so I mean, it's just uh, I think it's fantastic that 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 you know you have you have taken the time uh, to do this. Uh, um, so it's uh, a window into reality. Research. Some people don't want to see reality, but I'm one of those odd people who who really care about what really happened. <laughs> well, I don't see. We don't think you're. We don't think you're on. I mean, this. Oh, uh, this. Nice. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is. This is the type of stuff that uh, you know. We agree. <laughs> yeah. We we agree. This. This is the type of stuff that needs to get out there. You know. Um, I'm sick of of seeing history books that my daughter brings home that just. Uh, oh my gosh! Once I was in my daughter's classroom when she was in elementary school. And somebody gave a book report on the Kennedy assassination. Can you imagine that? And I'm sitting there. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. Uh, coincidence? Maybe not. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I see any more, uh, in, in history books where this, this period in American history is, is, is glossed over so much that's a good word for it they yeah. do not face the real issues they can't no. it would be too painful well it's all it's all uh, a narrative it's not the facts but then I, I i look back at what was done after the civil war i mean here you had a guy who was an outspoken racist i'm talking about lincoln who said horrible yeah. things about the black race well everyone was a racist uh, but, at that time i don't think but, he was but, unusual. But, you, but you see what i'm saying yeah that's true <laughs> i mean the guy has been deified he did horrible things he, he, and, he and murdered tom jefferson whole, of course can be, you yeah. can point fingers at, well, at tom but, but, as well he was just I mean, a reflection of his times although he was yeah. trying to change have to give him credit for that but lee mm-hmm. but lincoln I mean, he he, uh, eradic- he eradicated whole tribes of Indians. I think he, the largest mass hanging on record was a tribe of Indians that he had hung. In, um, so, I mean, you know, Blackfeet, the Blackfeet tribe, right? Right. So, so, you know, this is the thing that that uh, those in power control the history. Yep. Well, and number nineteen eighty four, the novel. Yeah, oh, yes. controls the past, controls the future. That's right. That's right. You said well, it. And the and the and the Kennedy assassination. Here, there's a perfect example. You know, I mean, it's uh, uh, history writes that uh, not too much happened. You know, within the uh, the government of the United States after Kennedy was assassinated. But uh, those those in the know, uh, you know, they. You know, those behind the scene, they realize what happened. They realize the changes that took place that, that 
the United States was never the same again after that point. Yeah, and that's, there's a lot of truth in that. The insiders uh, often know what really happened, but they won't speak out publicly on it. No, no, no. Well, and I think, you know, you, I, I think that there have been times where you have uh, certain presidents who um, maybe try to overstep their bounds, so to speak, and, uh, and, I, and I think that they are put in their place. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, when they're... Yeah, that's, when they're told, what, they're told. It's exactly what Andrew Krieg's book is about. I mentioned it earlier. K-R-I-E-G, he's a Washington journalist. Read Andrew Krieg's book on presidential puppetry. Mm. Uh, and he's, he's <laughs> taking to task both Republicans and Democrats. He's nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, and I think that uh, I think these people are told, you know, look, uh, do you see what happened to JFK? That could just as easily happen to you. Think about that for a bit. Yes, that's good advice to new presidents, isn't it? Right. And yes. remember all those promises that um, Barack Obama made to us before he took office? Oh, How many yeah. of them did he keep? He's right. the most divisive president we've ever had. He's, done right. He's a highly secretive president. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And he was the one who was um, most openly outspoken about transparency and no more secrets in government before he was elected. Why did he change after he got into office? That seems to happen to a lot of, uh, practically all of them once they get elected. It happens to a lot of congressmen, too, which is part of the yeah. problem. They get uh, co-opted, that's the word. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it, co-opted. <laughs> they need the well, money for the next election, especially if they only have a two-term um, situation in the House. Mm. They have to have the money for the next election, so they, they take their marching orders very well. They know how to follow directions. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, unfortunately, we are almost out of time here. So, uh, Dr. Mantic, uh, I'd like to give you the opportunity to uh, uh, let our uh, listeners know uh, where they can, uh, the names of your books where they and where they can find them, and if you have, like, a website or anything like that that they can find out more about you. All right. So I do not have a website, but you can purchase the e-book at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Apple. The title is very simple, JFK's. Head wounds, JFK's head wounds. So just go to the websites and uh, take a look. I have 36 illustrations which help you understand what was going on, and you'll see the lost autopsy photo. You'll see my sketch of the three headshots and the table that synthesizes all of the evidence and puts it in place. All right, fantastic. Well, uh, good luck, and I really hope that. Uh, your uh, the, the, that you will get the media attention uh, very soon that you so richly deserve, and I, I wish you the very best of luck. And I hope that uh, you will come back and uh, uh, be our guest again in, in in the near future. Thank you, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, Mike, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up now. We are definitely out of time. All right. Sounds good. We enjoyed it, Doctor Mantic. We appreciate it. Take care. All right. So for everyone out there listening, uh, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Uh, We we hope that you will join us again this time next week on The Outer Edge. So from Mike Mott, myself, and our guest uh, tonight, Dr. Uh, David Mantic, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again really soon. Thank you.
careful of what you say. Be careful in every way. Be careful of what you do. Big Brother is watching you. Be circumspect and discreet. Stay light on your mental feet. One slip and you know you're through. Big Brother is watching you. And far with all directives, remember obedience pays. And when you watch that TV screen, remember it works both ways.